This is the Six Figure Creative Podcast, episode 272. Welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast, where our mission is to help you turn your creative passions into a stable, reliable income. If you're in audio, video, design, photography, or really any other creative field, and you just want to learn from other successful creatives, you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome to the Six Figure Creative Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood. If this is your first time listening to the show, first of all, hi, hey, hello, welcome. Glad to have you here. This podcast is for creative freelancers who offer services and they want to earn more money from their skills without selling their souls. If that sounds like you're in the right spot. For my returning listeners, this is in part two episode. Also for my new listeners, this is part two episode. So you want to go back to last week to get the entire spiel of what we're going to talk about today because we are literally picking up where we left off last week. Last week, we talked about getting started with automation. I talked about why you want to get started with automation, which is because you want to do the boring, tedious, repetitive stuff less often. You want to maybe earn more per hour for those of you who are on flat rate pricing, or you just want to get rid of the crap you hate doing if you're on hourly or day rate pricing for freelancers. And you want to make sure the things get done that need to get done that you might be forgetting to do or avoiding to do because if we're being honest with ourselves, we avoid, (laughs) we don't want to do something, especially as creatives. We're like, I could do that later. I'll do it later. I'm not going to do it later. I forgot about it. And then it never gets done. So automating certain tasks that you're forgetting to do or avoiding until you forget to do is a wonderful thing. So last week I went over all the tools of the trade, the different automation tools that help with these different things. And we talked about automating the fulfillment process. What in your fulfillment process as a freelancer, meaning the services you're paid to do, what of that can you start to automate? I gave a bunch of ideas around that last week. Hopefully you got some takeaways from that. That episode hasn't aired yet as the time that I record this. I did two this week because it's a two-parter. So I don't know what the feedback is yet. Hopefully it's positive. So this week, we're going to talk about automating marketing. We're going to automate some of the marketing tasks in your business. And we're going to talk through this in what I feel like is a logical order of discussion from when someone first finds you to the second they hand over their hard-earned dollars and become a client. And then you start the onboarding fulfillment process, which I covered last week. So we're kind of doing this in reverse. Last week, fulfillment after you get paid. This week, marketing before you get paid. So before I get into the specifics of automating your marketing as a freelancer, I want to talk about the three core areas of marketing so that we can talk about each of these in turn. The first part is lead generation. How do you actually generate leads as a freelancer? The second part is lead nurture. How do you stay top of mind, build trust, build credibility, get people to know, like, and trust you. And then the third part is sales. How do we turn someone from that lead into an actual paying client? And there's a lot of opportunities within those three steps or three core areas that you can do automation. So we're going to start first in the lead generation area. If you've already listened to last week, you might remember that there's three parts of automation. There's a trigger, there's an action, and there's a result. And the first area I want to talk about is your website. When we start talking about marketing, your website's generally what I consider the marketing mothership. It's the central hub in which all other places point to. This isn't the case for every business, but this is the case for most modern businesses today. The website is the marketing mothership and all other areas point back, whether it's your social media, whether it's paid ads, whether it's referral partners, whether it's word of mouth from friends and past clients, they're going to send people to your website or they'll share your name with their friend or client or whoever. And then those people will Google you and then find your website or they'll find your social media profiles and then click through your link in your profile to your website. All roads lead back to your website in most cases, or it should. And your website serves two purposes. Do you know what those purposes are? If you do, bonus points to you. If you don't, I'll share those with you. I guess it's three purposes actually, but for the terms of automation, it's two purposes. The two purposes for automation's sake is create a marketing lead. And the second is create a sales lead. The third purpose and the purpose that is beyond the automation side of things is actually pre-selling your services so that the person actually wants to buy before they ever talk to you. But that's a different discussion for a different day that involves copywriting and messaging and et cetera, et cetera. We're not going to talk about that right now because that's not part of the automation discussion. So two automated pieces that we need to discuss here. 
Sales lead and marketing lead. What are those? First and foremost, this is just terminology you should know. If you've been listening to the Six Figure Creator for a while, you know this. A marketing lead is someone that signed up for something because they're interested in that thing. It might be a lead magnet, a cheat sheet. It could be a tool or a resource. It could be a case study or something that they're learning from you. Basically, any sort of lead magnet creates a marketing lead. And we'll talk more about lead magnets in future episodes. I have some stuff planned out about that because that's an area that a lot of freelancers struggle with. The second thing which I mentioned, which is a sales lead, that's somebody who's reached out to you who is interested in your services specifically. So if they're reaching out for a quote request, they're booking a call for a discovery call, they're asking about pricing or availability, that's someone who is a sales lead. And I'm gonna talk about both of these because they both have automation opportunities within those. So let's talk about the first thing, which is a marketing lead. Someone has come to your site, you're offering something. I'll give an example here for one of my clients. They do restaurant photography and videography to make their menus look better and their food look better so that more butts get in seats at the restaurants. So what is the lead magnet? It is a mobile food photography guide, meaning like how do you actually take photos for social media of your food with your phone in a quick, fussy-less way, something like that. And if someone signs up for that on his site or through some funnel, they're now a marketing lead. So what is the marketing automation opportunity within this scenario? Well, let's go through those three pieces of automation, the trigger, the action, the result. The first is obvious. The trigger is someone filling out a form to get the thing that they wanted from you. So that's the trigger. The action can vary depending on the person to person. An obvious action is to trigger an automated email to deliver that thing to them. That's a very important thing. And the result is they get the thing they signed up for. So that's an obvious one that most people, you've done it yourself most likely. And you might've done that with something that I've given away for free. But that is a clear automation opportunity. When someone becomes a marketing lead, they sign up for that. The automated task is it delivers the email to give them the thing that they signed up for. And the result is they get that thing. How do we do that? I talked about this in tools earlier in last week's episode, where I talked about the different tools of the trade. This is where Easy Funnels comes in and saves the day. But honestly, any email marketing software can do this. The point of Easy Funnels is the fact that your website and funnels and email marketing software all live in the same ecosystem. So you don't have to use a third party tool like Zapier to automate this task. Otherwise, if you're using something like Wix or Squarespace and your email marketing platform is something like ActiveCampaign or ConvertKit, then you'll have to use two pieces of software for that automation. Someone signs up on your website for that lead magnet. That information is sent to Zapier. Zapier sends it to your email marketing software like ActiveCampaign or ConvertKit. And then that software has an automation built in to then send that email off. So there's actually a chain of triggers, actions, and results. But because this is an audio focused show, Yes, this is on video for YouTube. YouTube viewers, that's like the smallest percentage of our podcast download. So I'm not going to create a whole visual for this, but I can if you want. So you can always use our feedback form by going by sixfigurecreative.com slash better and giving us feedback there if you want to see more in-depth tutorials on this. So that's the first part of this is automating our marketing lead capture. Someone signs up for something and then it gets delivered. Easy Funnels is the best and easiest tool to use for that, but I am biased because that's my software, but I have plenty of people who would back me up on that. And you can get a free trial by going to easyfunnels.io if you just want to try it out for yourself. But now let's talk about sales leads. There's a number of ways people can become a sales lead. The easiest and most obvious, and the one I'm going to focus on here, is someone has booked a discovery call with you. They've booked some sort of call, which is the best way to sell people on services, especially when you're charging more and more. You're a high-ticket freelancer. You're not doing nickel and dime, 100 to $300 to $500 projects where you can't even afford to get on the phone with them because it would take more time to sell them on the phone than they're paying you to make it worth your time. It's a bad cycle to be in. So you're charging more. You're on the high-ticket freelancing train. A client's worth $1,500, $2,000, $3,000 or more, preferably, then you can get on the phone and sell them or Zoom or in person at a coffee shop, whatever your preference is. But to get to that point, they've come to your site. They love what they see. 
They love your portfolio, testimonials, case studies, whatever you might happen to have. Maybe they've even signed up for your lead magnet and now they're warmed up. They're nurtured. They know I can trust you. Now they've actually taken the step to book a call on your site. What marketing automation opportunity do we have in this scenario? This is where to me, it gets a little bit fun because the triggers, someone booked a call. Great. There can be a series of actions. There can be more than one action taken in this scenario. And I'm going to talk about a few of those right now. Action one is they get added to your CRM. That is very important. And what CRM you use can depend on your niche and your personality and your preferences. But I've seen people use everything from the free HubSpot account, which I don't necessarily recommend, to the paidclose.com or Pipedrive account, which I do recommend. There are some that are focused more on creators or freelancers like HoneyBook and Dubsado. The only one I'm an affiliate for is Pipedrive. That's the one that I promote the most. It's the one that I believe in the most right now. But the automation sends the information from your booking software, whatever that happens to be. If you use EasyFunnels, that's all built in so they can book through EasyFunnels. Zapier can send that information to your CRM. And now it's created what's called an opportunity in your CRM. We'll talk more about sales in a second. That's one of the later stages here, but it's created an opportunity. And that opportunity now has a monetary value attached to it. If you don't know the monetary value right now, you can always estimate. And then when you actually have the sales conversation, you can update to the actual amount. So that's the first action you can take. And the result is you now have an opportunity in your CRM that you will always have a next step on it for the rest of your life. That's one of my sales rules is every lead or every opportunity in your CRM always has a next step associated with it with a reminder usually or a booking or an appointment or something where you are forced to check it off as done or it is on your calendar to do that thing. That is just a quick tidbit for you on this episode, not marketing automation, but this is what leads to that is they have to first get into your CRM and instead of manually entering the data like a pleb, we have it automated from your email capture or your booking software capture sent over via Zapier to your CRM. It's relatively easy to do. That's one of the earlier things you should be doing in any sort of marketing automation. And it's wonderful, but there's more you can do than just send them to the CRM. The trigger is still, they've booked a call with you. What other actions can we do? Action one is you can add them to what's called a reminder follow-up sequence. And this is really important to make sure they actually show up for their call because many people forget or many people aren't fully bought in or they're a little skeptical. Or in most cases, if they booked any more than two to three days out, they will literally just forget because it's not on their calendar or they forget to add it to their calendar. So the trigger, they booked a call. The action is they get added to an email marketing sequence which EasyFunnels allows you to do, where you can send a series of emails all leading up to the call. And that series of emails generally should be focused around a couple of things. The first is give them any information they need to have before the call. The second is a reminder to put the call on their calendar. And this can be all one email or it can be separate emails or it can be a text message, whatever you want. And then generally you want an email 24 hours before the call, one hour before the call, and then when the call is going to start. Those are all automated emails. Yes, you could manually send them out, if you are anything like a lot of freelancers, especially the more successful ones, you have a lot of things going on yourself. And this is one manual task you should not have to have on your plate. When you're going about your day, you're adding value, you're delivering on what you've been paid to do, and you have a sales call coming up tomorrow or today, you're not the one that should be on the hook for sending those reminders out to make sure that they know what's happening, that it's going to be at this specific time to show up with these pieces of information so that you can actually help them the best. This can all be automated. So that's it for automating lead generation. Just to recap, you have sales leads and you have marketing leads. And there are a few different tasks you can do with both of those. The end result is getting them into your email marketing database and getting them into your CRM, depending on which one of those leads they are. Next, let's talk about automating lead nurture. Lead nurture, again, is the act of staying top of mind until they're ready to buy and building trust and credibility all along the way that so that when they are ready to make that decision, 
you are the obvious choice for this. If you haven't heard about me talking about this before, this is an important concept. It's called the 3% rule. And the 3% rule basically states that in any given group of people, only about 3% of them are ready to make a decision right now. So if a thousand people know you exist as a freelancer, only about 30 of those are ready to make a decision right now. So what do you do with the other 970 of them? You nurture that lead over time so that when they're ready to buy, they both remember you, that you exist, and that they are going to choose you as the solution to their problem or the person that's going to help them towards their goal, whatever kind of freelancer you are. Now, there are a number of ways to nurture. You could do this just one-to-one where you're staying top of mind via text message or sending them emails or regularly booking meetings. And while that's great, I prefer to do it one-to-many. Yes, you can still have one-to-one conversations. You can still have one-to-one meetings, but you can automate a good portion of this so that those things get on your calendar automatically. Here's what I mean. It's called email marketing nurture sequence. It's a wonderful thing. You can also do this with text messages, meaning you can do this exact same thing, sending text messages instead of emails, but just know you can do everything I'm going to talk about here with texts. It just takes a different platform. Easy funnels does not do texts, at least not yet, but emails from 95% of people will be good enough for the most part. So first let's talk about how we are able to nurture somebody. It's because they are a lead. What is a lead? Well, defined by multiple people, the most recent biggest person talking about this right now is Alex Ramosi. His book, $100 Million Leads came out. It's wonderful. But he says, a lead is basically someone we can contact. So you can define that however you want. I personally define that as somebody who's either phone or email address that I have. You could also say social media. We'll talk about that in a second. There's some things you can automate there, but either phone or email. Before we get into the podcast today, let me tell you a little something crazy about myself. I'm actually a psychic and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, we do a deep dive on your business, we figure out what's missing, and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. And we hold you accountable, not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up. We'll always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. 
That's the number six figurecreative.com slash coach. Now here's our show. So we have their contact information in some way, shape, or form. How can we stay top of mind? Well, there's something called a nurture campaign. And a nurture campaign is a series of either emails or text dripped out over a period of time. On the short side, this could be seven to 12 days. On the long side, I've seen people automate like a year-long sequence, which <laughs> has its pros and cons. But depending on what software you use, you can pre-write a series of emails to go out so that every person goes through it the exact same way. And this has a huge advantage over something like social media or over something like weekly emails that you manually send out. Whereas when you pre-make an automated sequence of emails or texts to go out to somebody in a specific order, you control the messaging throughout that entire thing. And you can build a narrative that takes them through this thing so that when they're ready to buy, they're going to choose you. Let's compare that to something like social media, where they're coming into the conversation in the middle of it with no context about anything else that's happened. They're just getting your social posts. They say a new one every week, and they could be coming in the middle of a story for all they know. <laughs> or you're sending out weekly emails, notifying them about new podcast episodes like this one. The problem with that, again, is you might be coming in the middle of a series. Like, let's just say you joined my email list this week, and the very first email you got from me about this podcast was this one. It's a part two. Well, that kind of sucks because this is literally in the middle of a series. You were part two. You missed part one. So the point of an automated series of emails, which actually if you would have gotten this email, you would have already gone through my nurture sequence. The nurture sequence allows us to tell a specific story. And there's certain types of emails you can send that all do different things. And I'm not going to talk about how to write every single one of these, at least not right now. If you want that, you can give me your feedback in our feedback form. But Easy Funnels is the easiest way to do this. That's why Easy is in the name. So that when someone is on your email list and they've been delivered the lead magnet, or they've booked a call with you, and maybe they weren't ready to buy at the time, and it just wasn't a good timing for them, they can be added to a nurture sequence. So if you think about this from the trigger, actions, results, framework for automation, the trigger is someone has gone through the initial phase of contact. They have joined your email list through a lead magnet, they have joined your email list through a contact form, or a quote request form, or booked a call with you, and they're on your email list. That's the trigger. Now the action is after a certain period of time, from one to three days, they get added to the email nurture sequence or text nurture sequence if you're using text messages. And the very first thing that happens is the first email in the sequence, which is usually expanding upon whatever thing they sign up for in the first place, or usually giving some amount of information further above and beyond what was in the initial email they ever got from you, the initial conversation they had with you if it was a sales call. And then a wait step happens. If you think about this from a flowchart perspective, it's send email wait a day, send email, wait two days, send an email, wait three days, send an email, wait three days, send an email, wait five days. You can space these out gradually further and further so you're not overwhelming people. And then eventually you can even just automate one email a month to stay top of mind. Everyone can do this however way they want, but whether or not someone ever opens your email, the very least they're getting a reminder that you exist because they see it on their phone, email from Brian Hood from Six Figure Creative, email from so-and-so, from whatever design company, from so-and-so photography. And that's just one little reminder, one additional touch point that says, oh yeah, I need to really book that. Or, oh yeah, I need to get my shit together so that I can go do that thing. So if we go back to that example with one of my clients where he's in the restaurant photography business where he's trying to take pictures of food, what sort of nurture can he do? If they sign up for a lead magnet around taking better photography with their phones for their menus, he might have an email talking about the best hashtags to use in their local area for social media. Could have an email about what menu items are trending right now in the greater scheme of things. Again, this might take a little bit personalized knowledge for the niche, but that's the power of a niche is you can deep dive and figure these things out. You can talk to your clients. You can figure out what's selling best. 
You can even poll people and try to figure these things out. You can use social engagement metrics to say these things are getting the most engagement on social media. But you see how every one of these is establishing him as the expertise in this niche. He can give food photography tips in emails, and he can sprinkle in direct calls to actions to book a call or take the next step with him to sell them his services. But the key here is he doesn't have to remember to do any of this. These are all things that automatically go out. And then when someone replies or someone takes the next step by booking a call or whatever, now it's in his court. He can take a manual action. And the great thing about automation is you can automate the repetitive, boring, annoying stuff that you'll forget to do anyways. And then when someone raises their hand and says, I'm ready to take the next step, you can take it over manually. You can have a text conversation. You can book a meeting, a phone call, whatever you need to do and take it over as a human being. Let's talk about social media really quick and nurturing on social media because social media is a to me, a great nurture place, but it's really hard as a growth medium for most freelancers. It takes a lot of talent, a lot of skill, a certain type of personality to really grow on social media to where you're using that as a discovery platform can be done, but it's difficult. So if you're not a natural on social media, you can still use it to your advantage in nurturing your clients, meaning you're staying top of mind, you're building trust, you're building credibility. There's all the stuff you put in emails, you can create content around on social media. But how do we automate things? Well, there's two areas of automation in social media that are helpful for freelancers. The first is scheduling software, where the trigger is we schedule a post or a series of posts, or we schedule our week or month's content. The action is the software will automatically post it at the time that you've chosen. And the result is you have a social media feed that is staying updated on a regular basis without you needing to be there for every single post. Wonderful thing, simple. Most people who use social media regularly already know this stuff, so I'm not gonna go super deep into this. And truth be told, social media is not part of my growth I'm not a social media expert, but there's one area I do want to talk about that I've seen some people using that I think is brilliant, and that is using chatbots, I guess is the best way to use it. There's a tool called ManyChat, M-A-N-Y, that allows you to do something cool. And you've probably seen this in certain things, and that's where you can comment with a certain word to get a DM sent to you. So if you've ever seen someone comment with the word poop, and I'll send you my colon cleansing guide. <laughs> I don't know why that's top of mind. Whatever, let's shake any of you up who are sleeping right now and thinking, God, Brian's boring today. Come out the word poop and I'll send you my colon cleansing guide. That's all automated. So when you type the word poop, it is automatically sending you a DM. That's a wonderful way of farming your social media following. So when you create content, so let's go back to my client's example, food photography, straight from poop to food. That's great. Anyways, you create content around mobile food photography or taking photos with your phone for social media. And his actual upsell is going in and actually taking video, getting video of the chef to make a story around that and branding films and taking actual menu photos that are actually shared for their website and for their menus or whatever, not just the quick and dirty stuff they show on social media. That's the hope there. So he can share on his social media all of these things. And then he can say, comment food, comment mobile, comment whatever below to get my guide. And that is actually lead generation from the nurture campaign, or it could be comment menu to get more information on getting updated menu photos. These are all different little micro ways that we can automate things. So the trigger, again, talking about trigger, action, result, the trigger is someone comments with a certain word. The action is the software, a mini chat will send the DM with next steps or link or whatever the information was. And then the result is that person now becomes a lead on your email list or they become a booking on your calendar to go back through some of the automations I talked about today. So that is it for lead nurture, at least as of right now. There's still more to this, but these are kind of some of the big picture things. And if you somehow skipped last week, I'm talking about this from the perspective of giving you ideas. I don't want you to go off and do every single one of these. And I don't expect you to know how to do every single little micro step within all these automations. The whole point of this episode is to open up your mind, to start thinking bigger about the types of things and seeing what's possible. Again, I'm happy to go in depth with any of these and make some video tutorials and show you how to the specific clicks to do within these steps. But things like Zapier, EasyFunnels, PipeDrive, whatever you are using, 
to automate things. They all have tutorials to help you with this stuff. They all have live chat to help you with this stuff. Actually, Zapier is only email support, but their support is wonderful. But they can all help with this stuff. So to figure out the specifics, generally just takes a YouTube search or a search through their help documents, and you can figure out the specific clicks. So don't let that be the holdup for this as an excuse to keep you back from automating the things that you know you need to be doing. So let's get back on the track here. We talked about lead generation automation. We talked about lead nurture automation. How do we stay top of mind? How do we build trust and credibility with people over time so that we're top of mind and we're the obvious choice when it comes time to buy? The third part is sales. And to me, this is where fun stuff really happens. In sales, there is so much to automate because if you think about all the things that need to be done in a typical sales process for a freelancer, let's just talk through some of these bigger things. And these are all automatable as far as I can remember or tell. And every one of these is going to take a different configuration depending on what software you're using, what tech stack is what they call it, but it can all be done. So let's think about in general, what sort of things in no particular order need to be done to close somebody to get payment. The first is collecting a payment, which can sometimes be over the phone. Sometimes it's you send an invoice out. So this invoice needs to be sent out, possibly a proposal or a estimate needs to be sent out a contract or an agreement. You might need to send out reminders and follow-ups. And then within that, if you're using a CRM, you need to update the opportunity within the CRM to different stages. Remember how I talked about this in last week's episode, how when you're setting up your CRM, there's different stages, kind of like a Trello board from call booked to call showed to offer made to close deal, something like that. That may be like four or five stages for a sales pipeline. And then when you close a deal, you have to update the sales notes. You need to market as one. You need to, again, these are all little ticky tacky things that can add up, especially if you're a higher volume freelancer, you're doing high volume, relatively low fee, or you're just an agency with a ton of clients. This stuff really adds up. So now let's talk about how we can automate these things to get them off our plate so that in the perfect world, you have a conversation with a client. And from there, you either take payment information and close. And all those things I just talked about are automatically done with one single automation. Maybe you're a more bespoke freelancer and you need to create a proposal for them so that after the sales conversation is over, automatically the proposal is generated and you just customize it to their specific needs. And then the proposal is sent and everything else is automated from payment to stage update to reminders and everything. All of these things can be done and it takes whatever configuration you specifically need for your business and everyone's different. But there are two softwares, maybe three. There's two that I can definitely recommend and a third that I've never used. And then one that I'm working on <laughs> They can all help with this stuff. The first that I recommend is PipeDrive. Again, my affiliate link for that is pipedrive.studio. That'll give you a 30-day trial instead of the typical like 14. But that has automation built into it. And that has proposals, I believe. I know it has contracts. I know it has invoices and reminders and things you can set up in there. The second is Dubsado. That one by far is the most robust automation. And that's pretty much the number one reason I would ever recommend Dubsado. It's more complex. It takes a really good technical brain. I don't generally recommend you paying someone to settle this stuff up for you because in general, what I've seen is when someone sets it all up for you, you have no idea how it works. So you never use it to its full capacity, but that's generally the trap we fall into when we try to pay someone to do something for us versus learning how to do it ourselves. And then the third CRM, there's one called HoneyBook. I don't have an experience with that, but I think it's Dubsado's number one competitor. And then there's the fourth, the mystery one that I've been using recently that's my own setup that I'll maybe share with you one day. And that one definitely has all automation capabilities in it but it's probably just as complex as Dubsado. There's a spectrum here, if you've noticed, that the more capable a piece of software is, the more complex it tends to be because there's so much you could do with it, you get overwhelmed. How do I do something? Well, there's three different ways you could do it based on all the tools that they give you. So let's try to simplify this as best I can. You've already automated the part of the process where someone books a call, that's the trigger. The action is Zapier or some other automation sends the contact information to your CRM, whether you're using Pipedrive, Dubsado, Close.com, whatever, HubSpot, 
all of them can be zapped over to their CRM to create an opportunity. And that opportunity now is in your booked call column. Now you need to actually qualify the lead. Does the lead match your needs as a freelancer? And it can be a bunch of different things. The popular qualification framework is BANT, I think. It's budget, authority, need, and timeline. I think those are the four qualification questions. And there's different ones that are out there, but budget, do they have the budget to work with you? Are they even in the ballpark? Authority, do they have the authority to make the decision? Or do they have a business partner? Or do they have someone, their boss to make a decision, depending on what kind of freelancer you are? Maybe a third, a band, and there's four other members. The solo band member does not have the authority to make the decision. And is need, so do they actually need your solution? And then timeline, are they looking to start this process within the next however many days, seven, 14, 30 days? Or is it beyond that? And you need to put the sales conversation off until they're closer to the actual decision-making time. That's one qualification framework, but you need to qualify the lead. So you're looking through the information they've given you and you're deciding as a freelancer, should I take this call or not? In most cases, unless you're really struggling, you should not take every call because some people are just tire kickers. Some people are a waste of time. Some people are, you cannot help. And by taking on these calls, there could be some side benefits from doing it. This is not a conversation for that. We can talk about that in another episode, maybe. But in general, especially when you're in demand as a freelancer, you should not take on every call. So then what do you do with those calls that aren't qualified? In some software, you can have automation set up so that you can just one click reject the lead. <laughs> so if you reject the lead within one button press, it can automatically put a note that it was lost due to unqualified lead. Because if you mark a deal as lost in the booked call column and not the approved lead column, then we know we lost the deal because they were not a qualified lead. So they can put that in there. It can send a wonderfully written, pre-written rejection email from you saying, hey, thank you so much for being interested in my food photography services. So glad you booked a call. Unfortunately, I don't think I'll be able to help you with your needs because you do Chinese food and I hate Chinese food. I don't know, whatever the reason. <laughs> because you're a fast food restaurant and I only work with fine dining. I don't know, whatever your reasoning is. Here's a list of other potential freelancers that might suit your needs better. But again, thank you so much for booking. I went ahead and canceled the call to respect both of our time, something like that. So that's a one-click rejection. The trigger is you click reject, the button reject, or you marked it as lost in a specific column on your CRM. The action is rejection email, marked as lost, and categorize the lost reason. All great things to do on sales. But what if you approve the lead? Well, approving the lead would then do a number of things. And you would approve the lead in most CRMs by dragging the opportunity from the booked call column to the approved lead column. Or in some CRMs, you push the button that you approve the lead. Wonderful. Now that's the trigger. The actions that follow can vary from person to person, but there's a few things you can and should do. The first is send a follow-up email saying, thanks so much. Looked over all the information and I can't wait to talk to you about this. Looks like definitely something that is in our wheelhouse. Whatever. Looking forward to our call on whatever the call date and time is. It can then put them into the follow-up sequence to remind them about their call. I talked about that earlier, where you should be automating emails to go out 24 hours before, an hour before, and then right when the call starts, if it's a digital call, wonderful. So you have the call with them. The call goes great, but they're not ready to make a decision right now. Now you have what's called a hot lead. You've had a great conversation. Everything looks like it's a good fit. They're interested. They're just not ready to make a decision yet for whatever reasons. Now, what can you do? If you drag them over to the column that says offer made, meaning that you offered to work with them, you didn't say that it was a bad fit on the call, you can now automate a certain number of things. You can automate that you need to manually follow up in a week to check in or maybe automate your follow-ups. Again, it depends on what you do, but generally I say when you've made an offer to somebody to work together, you should have a 30 to 60 day follow-up series of emails that you send at a certain cadence. 
The reason being, and this is a study I did in my own sales, 50% of my income for an entire year came from follow-up five or greater. If you have a client that you are in a sales conversation with and you don't follow up at least five times, you're likely missing out on at least half of your income. And the best way to follow up is to always have reminders as the next step. And the best way to always have reminders on the next step is to automate the reminders as much as possible. In many CRMs, you can say as soon as something is checked is done, go ahead and schedule the next follow-up. If I mark something as one in my CRM, meaning I got this paid, or maybe they paid the proposal, that's the trigger. They paid the invoice or they accepted the proposal. Now it'll just automatically wipe away the follow-up reminders so that I don't keep getting those on my calendar. Are you starting to see how all of this can be mixed and matched to your specific needs? This stuff can be fun, it can be exciting, or it can be a big chore depending on what kind of person you are, but it only has to be set up one time. And once you set these things up, invest a little bit of time working on your business so that when you're working in your business, you're more effective because you don't have to remember to do all of these things. I have only scratched the surface of what sort of automation opportunities are available. There are things that you can do that would blow your mind. You can do things where a text is sent, a reply is sent back to you, and you can have ChatGPT automate the follow-ups based on a certain Q&A. You've pre-answered questions using ChatGPT and it'll perfectly formulate the responses based on what you've told it to do. That's great when you have high volume sales through text, but that is beyond the scope of what I'm gonna talk about today, but that is just one small taste of what you can do with automation in sales. But I'm gonna wrap this episode up with one big reminder. I said this last episode a couple of times. I need to say it this episode at least one time. And that is only automate the steps when you have done two things. The first is becoming proficient at it, meaning you're good enough at understanding all the pieces and how they fit together. And you have done it manually. Those two things need to have happened before you ever automate. So if you haven't manually sent rejection emails, you haven't manually added the follow-up reminders, you haven't manually done the task that when someone accepts the proposal to manually send an invoice. If you haven't manually done those tasks enough times to know the exact process and steps, you cannot automate it yet. So the last thing you ever need to do is over automate your business with a bunch of crap that you've never done because that's not the bottleneck in your business. Every business has a bottleneck and the only time you need to automate things is when you have become proficient at it and you've done it manually enough times to know that it is the right thing to automate. So if you want any more information about what I've talked about in this episode or last week's episode, my call to action, I implore you, I beg you, I'm on my knee. I would get on my knees, but this is a standing desk and I'd be out of the shot here. I beg you, <laughs> go to sixfigurecreative.com slash better, B-E-T-T-E-R, and give me your feedback. There's questions on there. There's a series of questions on what we could do better, what you want to hear more of. You can answer as few or as many of these things as you want. Just give me some sort of feedback so that I know what sort of content to create for you from here. Do you want more about automation? Because this is one topic I really haven't talked about much. I looked through our backlog of episodes and I, the last time we talked about automation was like 30 episodes ago. And even that wasn't a dedicated episode to automation. It was more about our easy aids framework, which is eliminate, automate, delegate, mitigate, something like that. Automate's only one of those four steps. Hopefully this stuff is valuable for you. And if it's not, hell, tell me, say, Brent, don't ever bring up automation again. It's too visual. You need to see it to understand it. So why would you do an audio podcast for this? You idiot, you absolute stupid idiot. Tell me that stuff. I love to know that. I'm an Enneagram 8, so I can take whatever you throw at me. Be as mean as you need to. But that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. We're watching. If you're watching, do you like this orange shirt? I like it. Bye. <laughs>